Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Matthias Hördegen and I chair the Institute for Public International Law at the University of Bonn. I take very great pleasure in contributing to the United Nations lecture series by discussing some salient issues of the international regulation of biotechnology. Modern biotechnology with its genetic engineering and many other forms has quite dramatically changed or even revolutionized agriculture, medical diagnosis and therapy as well as pharmaceutical processes. This development confronts international law with a host of regulatory challenges arising from new scientific knowledge and remaining uncertainties, arising from societal conflicts over ethical implications of certain techniques such as the so-called enhancement, human cloning or predictive tests, arising from the possible instrumentalization or commercialization of human life and parts of the human body, such as embryonic stem cell research, the so-called patents on life or patents on DNA sequences, arising also from benefits for human health, such as gene therapy, biotechnological drugs, and arising from chances for food supply, agricultural productivity, and reduction of pesticides, such as the famous golden rice, pest-resistant corn or cotton, and risks for the environment, for ecological systems, and for biological diversity. The perception of chances and risks underlie three different regulatory perspectives. First, we have what I would call the development perspective, as highlighted in the controversial FAO report on the State of Agriculture 2003-2004. I quote, Biotechnology can overcome production constraints that are more difficult or intractable with conventional breeding. It can speed up conventional breeding programs and provide farmers with disease-free planting materials. It can create crops that resist pests and diseases, replacing toxic chemicals that harm the environment and human health. This perspective is closely associated with support for biotechnology in medicine and pharmacy. In the second place, we have what I would call the free trade perspective, which essentially qualifies regulatory intervention as a barrier to trade calling for proper justification. In the field of biotechnology, it is associated with the protection of intellectual property rights, especially with the protection of patents. Finally, we have 
the risk perspective, which focuses on the concern for human dignity and all forms of human life on the one hand and safeguards for the environment on the other. It sides with restrictive choices against undue eugenic or commercial uses and supports precautionary measures against potential dangers like long-term effects on health and on ecosystems. International agreements and other international instruments reflect all three perspectives, often trying to establish a fair balance between the conflicting interests. A number of instruments focus on implications of biotechnology with regard to the protection of human rights. On the universal plane, documents on the protection of human rights with respect to biotechnology operate as what we call soft law instruments and on a rather abstract level. This applies to the UNESCO Declaration on the Human Genome and on Human Rights. This also applies to the UNESCO International Declaration on Human Genetic Data, the UNESCO Universal Declaration on Bioethics and Human Rights, and to the United Nations Declaration on Human Cloning adopted by the General Assembly in the year 2005. On regional level, the Council of Europe adopted a fairly comprehensive treaty regime, the Convention on Human Rights and Biomedicine, also called the Convention of Oviedo, with three additional protocols on the prohibition of human cloning, on the transplantation of organs and tissues, and on biomedical research, and finally, on genetic testing for health purposes. The Charter on Fundamental Rights of the European Union provides for specific guarantees in context with medicine and biology in its famous Article 3, Section 2. Under this provision, in the fields of medicine and biology, the following must be respected in particular. The free and informed consent of the person concerned according to the procedures laid down by law. The prohibition of eugenic practices, in particular those aiming at the selection of persons. The prohibition on making the human body and its parts as such a source of financial gain and the prohibition of the reproductive cloning of human beings. These instruments focus on human dignity and related concerns such as individual self-determination or non-discrimination. They reflect a growing consensus on regional as well as on universal level 
on the right to prior free and informed consent, on the protection of persons unable to consent, on the right to information and the right not to know, for example, about a genetic disposition for illness, the prohibition of eugenic or selective practices, the prohibition of commercial uses of the human body, the prohibition of the creation of human embryos for research purposes and the prohibition of reproductive human cloning. However, there remains quite a number of controversial areas, such as the prohibition of therapeutic cloning, research on embryos in vitro and production of embryonic stem cell lines, or concerning patents on inventions involving human embryos and human DNA. Another major concern relates to possible adverse effects on the environment. The United Nations Convention on Biological Diversity calls for a management of the risks for biological diversity and to human health associated with the use and with the release of living modified organisms. The so-called Cartagena Protocol on Biosafety governs transboundary movements of living modified organisms. The guiding principle is the so-called Advanced Informed Agreement. The decision on import must rest on a risk assessment in accordance with scientific standards. In this very context, the Cartagena Protocol provides the party concerned, that is, the state of import, with a rather broad margin of appreciation by providing for precautionary measures in the case of lack of scientific certainty and by allowing socio-economic considerations to be taken into account, especially the latter provision with its deference for non-scientific considerations reflects concerns prevailing in many developing countries and within the European Union. International trade law follows quite a different perspective. It considers restrictive measures of risk management as barriers to trade and therefore calls for adequate justification of these measures. On global level, the rules of the World Trade Organization, especially the provisions of the GATT and the Agreement on Sanitary and Phytosanitary Measures, the SPS Agreement, are of paramount importance. The rules of the World Trade Organization also provide for patent protection for biotechnological inventions. The law of the World Trade Organization 
governs measures restricting the marketing of biotech products, especially genetically modified products, that is, products containing genetically modified organisms or produced from genetically modified organisms. Restrictions for marketing which purport to protect the life and health of human beings, animals and plants must conform to the gut and must conform to the agreement on sanitary and phytosanitary measures. The SPS agreement subjects all such measures to a rather strict scrutiny by requiring respect for proportionality and by insisting in the application of sufficient scientific evidence and by referring to international norms, guidelines and recommendations and by calling for the application of recognized methods of risk assessment and the consideration of the available scientific evidence. All these standards taken together inject quite a strong dose of empiric rationality into all forms of risk management which affect international trade. It is a matter of controversy to what extent the standards of the World Trade Organization may affect international trade indirectly, such as liability for the adventitious presence of genetically modified organisms in neighboring crops. The rather strict standards for the necessary risk assessment under the law of the World Trade Organization stand in certain contrast with the more lenient requirements for decisions on import under the Cartagena Protocol of Biosafety. It is a matter of great controversy within the World Trade Organization and with respect to the Cartagena Protocol how to construe the relationship between these two treaty regimes. In any case, the provisions of the Cartagena Protocol cannot be invoked against non-parties like the United States of America. The SPS agreement also calls for procedures undertaken and completed without undue delay with respect to the necessary risk assessment. As the dispute settlement body of the World Trade Organization held in the famous case European communities and measures affecting the approval and marketing of biotech products, the European moratorium on the authorization of genetically modified products a moratorium of about 10 years violated this standard calling for speedy procedures of 
approval or non-approval. The agreement on technical barriers to trade, the TBT agreement, leaves ample room for technical regulations and standards such as labeling requirements in the interest of consumer protection to the extent that they are necessary and duly consider international standards like guidelines of the Codex Alimentarius Commission. The European Union stands for relatively strict labeling standards for biotech products, purporting to further and to facilitate informed consumer choices. As part of the great family of agreements of the World Trade Organization, the agreement on trade-related aspects of intellectual property rights, the TRIPS agreement, provides for the patentability of inventions in all fields of technology, provided that they are new, involve an inventive step and are capable of industrial application. The patentability of biotechnological inventions in principle even extends to innovative processes involving DNA sequences of human beings, animals or plants. It is a matter of controversy as to what extent patents on biotechnological techniques like modification or extraction of genetic substances should cover the respective substance itself. This controversy touches upon genes naturally related to diseases as well as on the invention of entire animals and plants. Under the TRIPS agreement, animals and plants may be excluded from patentability. The European Union's directive on biotechnological inventions explicitly extends patent protection to isolated or synthesized parts of the human body. The law of the United States seems to be a bit more restrictive in this respect. In any case, under the TRIPS agreement, as well as under European Union law, patent protection of genetic material may be limited to specific functions, that is, to the specific functions set out in the patent application. Such a limitation is a very important mechanism to restrain excessively broad patent claims to genetic information. Thus, patent holders cannot challenge the use of genetic material with respect to any possible function, even with respect to functions hitherto entirely unknown. International law faces a fundamental challenge, that is, a challenge to balance the commitment to emerging international standards with deference for divergent national choices. This deference also stands 
for respecting democratic processes and particular social or economic diversity. Such diversity leaves room for specific aversion to risks associated with biotechnology or biotech products, as well as for particular openness to techniques that break with traditional concepts of what some people call the natural order. It is remarkable that even within the relatively homogeneous European Union, quite marked differences in the perception and in the evaluation of risks and chances associated with modern biotechnology generate controversy and divergent choices. Certain techniques qualified as a violation of human dignity or as a criminal offense in Germany are explicitly authorized in other European countries. Sometimes regulatory compromises fall short of consistency. Thus, German law bans the production of human stem cells from embryos in vitro on one hand, but allows the import of stem cells from outside on the other. In a much higher degree than the European Union, the international community at large is what we might call a house with many mansions. However, the respect for diversity and divergent national choices finds its inherent limits in the core of human rights. Beyond clearly defined standards, the interpretation of human rights treaties should leave room to different national choices. Thus, when judging upon the status of the embryo in vitro with respect to conflicting decisions of the two parents for and against implantation under the European Convention on Human Rights, and the Convention Right to Family Life, the European Court of Human Rights emphasized the diversity of very different legislative choices among the contracting parties within the Council of Europe and within the framework of the European Convention of Human Rights. From this diversity of approaches, the Court quite wisely inferred a wide margin of discretion of states when addressing controversial issues associated with in vitro fertilization. In the, in the famous case Evans and the United Kingdom, the Strasbourg Court held, I quote, the Court observes that there is no international consensus with regard to the regulation of in vitro fertilization treatment or to the use of embryos created by such treatment. As it appears from the comparative material, while certain states have adopted specific legislation in this area, others have either not legislated or have only partially legislated. 
relying instead on general legal principles and professional ethical guidelines. Since the use of in vitro fertilization treatment gives rise to sensitive and ethical issues against a background of fast-moving medical and scientific developments, and since the questions raised by the case touch on areas where there is no clear ground amongst the member states, the court considers that the margin of appreciation to be afforded to the respondent state must be a wide one. End of quotation. In international law, especially in international trade law, the subjection of states to rationality, that is to proportionality, and to scientifically sustainable standards has two aspects. It limits sovereign and insofar also democratic choices in favor of particular cultural or socio-economic aversions or preferences. On one hand. On the other hand, this very commitment to rationality by restraining barriers to trade widens the choices of the individual consumer or patient whose own individual decision is not necessarily committed to any scientific or rational standard. This individual freedom of choice is certainly one of the most charming aspects of what we call globalization. Working for a fair balance between universal standards and legitimate diversity, between societal choices and individual freedom, remains an everlasting task for international law, also in the field of biotechnology. Thank you very much.